Chapter Eleven of the Cinder Pond by Carol Watson Rankin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: A New Life. At the conclusion of Jean's first uncomfortable meal with her new relatives, Mrs. Huntington detained the children for a moment in the dining room. Next week, said she, Jeanette will be going to school, and you are not to tell the other pupils, nor any of your friends, nor the maids in this house, anything of her former life. And you too, Jeanette, will please be silent concerning your poverty and the fact that your father was a common fisherman. Gee, scoffed Harold, holding his nose, a fisherman. He was a gentleman, replied Jean loyally. He was not common. Molly was common, but my father wasn't. No gentleman could be a fisherman, returned Mrs. Huntington, who really supposed she was telling the truth. You will remember, I hope, not to mention his business? Yes'm, promised Jean meekly. Yes, Aunt Agatha, prompted Mrs. Huntington. Yes, Aunt Agatha, said Jean, thoroughly awed by the large, cold lady. Now we will see what you need in the way of clothes. Of course, you have nothing at all suitable. Jean followed her aunt upstairs. Mrs. Huntington noted with surprise that the garments in the drawers were neatly folded, also that they were of astonishing fineness. Did your stepmother buy these? asked the lady. No, my father. These handkerchiefs, too? Yes, he bought everything. But you have only six, and not enough of anything else. And only this one dress? That's all. Father didn't put any of my old things in. They weren't much good. I suppose Annie will have my pink dress. Mrs. Huntington wrote many words on a slip of paper. I shall shop for these things at once, said she. You need a jacket and rubbers before you can go to school. Of course, you haven't any gloves. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Aunt Agatha. Here, in this drawer. They're really very good, admitted Mrs. Huntington. But you will need a heavier pair for every day. And something for my stockings, pleaded Jean. I guess Father didn't know what to get. You see, most of the time I went barefoot. Mercy, child, gasped Mrs. Huntington, looking fearfully over her shoulder. You mustn't tell things of that sort. They're disgraceful. Maggie might have heard you. I'll try not to, promised Jean, but my stockings won't stay up. Mrs. Huntington wrote another word or two on her list. Anything else? she asked. Things to write a letter with. Oh, please, ma'am, Aunt Agatha, could I have those? I want to write to my father. He taught me how, you know. Maggie will put writing materials in the drawer of that table, promised Mrs. Huntington. I'll ring for them now. I'm glad that you can at least read and write, but you must not say ma'am. That word is for servants. I'll try to remember, promised Jean. Jeanette's first letter to her father would probably have surprised Mrs. Huntington had she read it. Perhaps it is just as well that she didn't. Dear Daddy, wrote Jean, the picture is safe, the handkerchief is safe, the purse is safe, and so am I. I am too safe. I should like to be running on the edge of the dock on the dangerous side, almost falling in. See the nice tail on the comma? I like to make commas, but I use more periods. 
The periods are like frogs' eggs in the cinder pond, but the commas are like pollywogs with tails. That's how I remember. Mrs. Huntington is not like Molly. Molly looks soft all over. Some day I shall put my finger very softly on Mrs. Huntington to see if she feels as hard as she looks. Her back would be safest, I think. She is very kind about giving me things, but I do not know her very well yet. She does not cuddle her children like Molly cuddles hers. She is too hard and smooth to cuddle. There are little knives for bread and butter, and they eat green leaves with a funny fork. I ate a round green thing called an olive. I didn't like it, but I didn't make a face. I didn't know what to do with the seed, so I kept it in my mouth until I had a chance to throw it under the table. Was that right? There is no lake. They get water out of pipes, but not in a pail. Hot and cold, right in my room. Maggie, she is the maid, showed me how to make a light. You push a button. You push another, and the light goes out. She said two years ago this house was all made over new inside. This is another day. My bed is very big and lonesome. I am like a little black huckleberry in a pan of milk when I am in it. I can see in the glass how I look in bed. I have a great many new clothes. I have tried them on. Some do not fit and must go back. I have a brown dress. It is real silk to wear on Sunday. I have a white dress. It looks like white clouds in the sky. And a red jacket. And more under things, but I like the ones you bought the best because I like you best. This is four more days. I have been to church. I stood up and sat down like the others. I liked the feathers on the ladies' hats and the little boys in nightgowns that marched around and sang. Next Sunday I am to go to Sunday school. Mrs. Huntington says I am a heathen. I got a chance to touch her. Her back is hard. But I will say goodbye. But I like to write to you, so I hate to send it away. But I will begin another letter right now. Maggie will put this in the letter box for me. I like Maggie, but I am afraid I will tell her about my past life. Mrs. Huntington says I must never mention bare feet or fish. Yours truly, Jeanette Huntington Duvall. P.S. Mrs. Huntington told a lady I was that, but you know I am just your Jean. I love you better than anybody. Jean, you will notice, made no complaints against her rude young cousins, and passed lightly over matters that had tried her rather sorely. From her letters, her father gathered that she was much happier than she really was. Perhaps nobody ever enjoyed a letter more than Mr. Duvall enjoyed that first one. He went to the post office to get it, because no letter carrier could be expected to deliver mail to a tumble-down shack on the end of a long, far-away dock. He read it in the post office. He read it again in old Captain's freight car, and when Bonnie Turcott came in, he too had to hear it. Then Molly read it, and as she read it, her face was quite beautiful with the mother look that Jean liked. It was the only attractive thing about Molly. Then the children awoke and sat up in their bunks to hear it read aloud. Poor children! They could not understand what had become of their beloved Jean. Afterwards, Mr. Duvall laid the letter away in his shabby trunk beside the little green bottle that still held a shriveled pink rose, the late wild rose that Jean had left on his table that last day. He had found what remained of it on his return from his journey. It was certainly very lonely in that little room evenings without those lessons. Jeanette Huntington Duvall found school decidedly trying at first. 
The pupils would pry into her past. Their questions were most embarrassing. Even the teachers, puzzled by many contradictory facts, asked questions that Jean could not answer without mentioning poverty or fish. Yes, she had lived in the country. Is on a dock in the country? wondered truthful Jean. No, she truly didn't know what a theater was, and she had never had a birthday party nor been to one. What did keeping one's birthday mean? Jean had asked. How could one give her birthday away? Of course she knew all the capitals of South America, mountains and rivers, too. She could draw maps showing them all. She loved to draw maps. But asparagus? What was that? And velvet? And vanilla? And plumber? Really, said Miss Wardell one day after a lesson in definitions, you can't be as ignorant as you seem. You must know the meaning of some words as jardiniere, tapestry, doily, mattress, counterpane, banister, newel post, brocade. Didn't you live in a house? Yes, um, yes, Miss Wardell, stammered Jean, coloring as a vision of the Duval shack presented itself. Didn't you sleep on a mattress? Jean hung her head. She had guessed that that thick thing on her bed was a mattress, but how was she to confess that hay in a wooden bunk had been her bed? Fortunately, Jean did not look like a child who had slept on hay. She was small and daintily built. Her hands and feet were beautifully shaped. Her dark eyes were soft and very lovely, her little face decidedly bright and attractive. She suffered now for affection, for companionship, for the freedom of outdoor life, but never for food or for suitable garments. It is to be feared that Mrs. Huntington, during all the time that she looked after Jeanette, put clothes before any other consideration. The child was always properly clad. Unfortunately, in spite of all Jean's precautions, her cousin succeeded in dragging from her all the details of her former poverty. They never got her alone that they didn't trap her into telling things that she had meant not to tell. At those times, even Harold seemed almost kind to her. Mean children, they were pumping her, of course, but for a long time honest Jean did not suspect them of any such meanness. After they had learned all that there was to know, Jean's eyes were opened, and things were different. Sometimes Harold, in order to embarrass her, told his boyfriends a weird tale about her. "'That's our cousin, the Cinder Pond Savage,' Harold would say. "'Her only home was a dry-goods box on the end of a tumble-down dock. "'She sold fish for a living and ate all that was left over. "'She never ate anything but fish.' She had nineteen stepsisters with red hair and a cruel stepmother who was a witch. She wore a potato sack for a dress and never saw a shoe in her life until last month. When captured, she was fourteen miles out in the lake chasing a whale. Step right this way, ladies and gentlemen, to see the cinder pond savage. Harold's friends seemed to consider this amusing, but Jean found it most embarrassing. The strange boys always eyed her as if she really were some little wild thing in a trap. She didn't like it. Clara put it differently. My cousin, Jeanette Huntington Duval, has always lived on my uncle's estate in the country. She didn't go to school, but had lessons from a tutor. But, however they put it, Jeanette realized that she was considered a disgrace to the family, a relative of whom they were all secretly ashamed. And her father, her good, wonderful father, was considered a common, low-down Frenchman who had married her very young mother, 
solely because she was the daughter of a wealthy man. "'I don't believe it,' said Jean, when Clara told her this. "'My father never cared for money. That's why he's poor. And he's much easier to be friends with than your father. And he reads a great many more books than Uncle Charles does. So I know he isn't ignorant, even if you do think he is. Besides, he writes beautiful letters with semicolons in them. Did your father write to you that time he was gone all summer?' Clara was obliged to admit that he hadn't. But then, added Clara cruelly, a real gentleman always hires a stenographer to write his letters. He doesn't think of doing such things himself, any more than he'd black his own boots. Then, said Jean defiantly, I'm glad my father's just a fisherman. End of chapter 11